0: Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. This is Laura Dost, Associate Editorial Director of the American Journal of Managed Care, and today we're talking about an issue that directly affects all healthcare providers and indirectly impacts patients and healthcare costs. As the prevalence of burnout among healthcare providers has increased over the last few years, It has raised attention to the issue. The Physicians Foundation's 2018 survey found that the number of physicians reporting burnout has increased from 74% in 2016 to 77.8% in 2018. Burnout occurs in response to chronic stressors on the job. Burnout includes overwhelming exhaustion, feelings of cynicism and detachment from the job, and a sense of ineffectiveness and a lack of accomplishment. Among physicians, common drivers include excessive workloads, clerical burdens, organizational structures, and leadership culture. Greater attention to the issue and the impact it can have on patient outcomes has led to more organizations trying to implement interventions to address and alleviate burnout in healthcare. I'm here today with Bernadette Melnick, who is the Vice President for Health Promotion, Chief Wellness Officer, and Professor and Dean of the College of Nursing at The Ohio State University. Hi, Dr. Melnick. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm happy to join you. to talk about burnout um, first. The fact that burnout is a huge issue in healthcare is sort of no secret. There have been countless studies on the levels of burnout and the impact burnout has on patient care and providers. But what is driving the increased intention right now? What has sort of brought burnout rate to critical levels where it needs to be addressed?
1: For one, I think there's been a lot of visibility raised on this issue by the National Academy of Medicine. So a couple of years ago, due to the increase in prevalence rate, of burnout amongst physicians, nurses, and other healthcare providers, the National Academy of Medicine said this is a public health epidemic that is affecting health care quality, patient safety, besides the health of the providers. So what exactly changes are taking place in healthcare?
0: Is it like the obvious big culprits, things like EHRs and value-based care arrangements? Or are there other maybe less obvious culprits that are contributing to burnout?
1: There are multiple factors that contribute to burnout in clinician. It's real important to note that there are healthcare system factors like EHR, short staffing, working long hours. So by no means do we want to Target clinicians and say, This is your fault, this is your problem. It's multiple factors. A lot of times, clinicians take such great care of other people as well, but they don't take good self-care. They don't take the time to take good self-care. As a result of that, we are seeing such high rates of burnout, depression, and very sadly, suicide. And in a health affairs blog
0: you had recently co authored, you noted that healthcare has evolved to include chief safety and quality officers, chief information and technology officers. Why do you think a chief wellness officer, someone who facilitates system wide changes, has not really been established in systems across the country?
1: I don't think its had great visibility until now this national academy of medicine's action collaborative on clinician well-being we need dedicated leaders in every single Healthcare system throughout the country that is in tune with this problem, that is really knowledgeable about the best evidence based strategies to address it. If you don't have a leader who is responsible for this, who has the budget and authority to make changes for the better in your healthcare system? It's not likely to change. And what are some of those key changes that systems
0: and practices can be implementing to promote well being and reduce the burnout for their physicians and other providers?
1: We have used a very successful model here at Ohio State. It's a multi-strategy, comprehensive plan. We target culture, and I cannot emphasize culture enough because culture eats strategy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You could have... A fabulous health coach that's working with a clinician on their well-being. But if they go back to a unit where the manager, the director doesn't support this within the culture, they're going to slide back and their behaviors are not going to sustain so it takes, again, a multi component strategy. You have to have an evidence based menu of options targeting clinicians, but also targeting the workplace, the social network as well as health policy. And then you've got to put a rigorous and meticulous system in place to monitor the outcomes of your efforts. At Ohio State, we have a scorecard with key health and wellness indicators that we monitor every single year. So if we are experiencing a little bit of a setback for one health indicator, we detect that immediately, and then strategize about how we're going to improve that through what types of evidence-based interventions.
0: And when these interventions are put into place, what is the ROI for health systems and practices? What, what changes are seen in maybe um, the way care is delivered after these
1: things take place? Absolutely. So we have so much research again to show that when clinicians are burnt out, depressed, the quality of care isn't as good. There are more medical errors. I actually did a national study of nearly 2,000. This was nurses from 19 healthcare systems throughout the country. That study revealed that 25% of this sample of nurses were burnt out. And depression was the leading cause of medical errors. So getting back to the return on investment, Corporations have long focused on the well-being of their employees because they have shown for every dollar invested in their employee well-being, there is at least a 3 to $4 return. Now, we at Ohio State have moved from just looking at return on investment to value of investment. That goes beyond just health care costs to morale and engagement, because again, we know when morale is good. When people are fully engaged, the quality of care, the safety of care will be better. At Ohio State, we are in a negative health care spend as a result of the culture and the evidence-based programming that we have here on wellness. And so
0: you mentioned that your study was on nurses. Have you seen that other providers and team members outside of physicians are sometimes getting
1: lost in the burnout conversation? Absolutely. I just gave a presentation at the national meeting of hospital pharmacists. I think pharmacists are really recognizing that this is a big problem for them The other profession that is hugely affected by burnout and depression that a lot of people don't think about is veterinarians. Um, They now have the largest suicide rate. It used to be dentists, but the mental health issues among vets, they are growing rapidly throughout this country. So it is a public health problem that is pervasive across the health professions.
0: So are you seeing that any progress is being made in this area? Are organizations starting to move the needle?
1: Absolutely. There is hope. Um, After the article that we um, had disseminated in the health affairs blog on the urgent need for chief wellness officers, we are seeing more of those positions popping up in the healthcare systems. In fact, I was on a conference call yesterday with probably 14 other chief wellness officers, most of them being appointed in the past year. So we are making progress. We need to do more. C-suite leaders in healthcare systems must look at this as an investment, not as an expense. Clinician well-being is part of reaching the quadruple aim in healthcare. And the sooner that the C-suite recognizes that they've got to appoint a chief wellness officer, they have to invest in this whole epidemic of clinician burnout. Not only will, will their clinicians be healthier, But the healthcare quality, safety being delivered in their hospitals and healthcare systems will go up and their costs will go down. And so it's good that you mentioned that there are more
0: of these wellness officers popping up, but you had mentioned culture earlier. Are these new officers running into issues of clinicians being unwilling to get help or unable to acknowledge when they are approaching or in burnout?
1: That's an excellent question. We all know there is still such a stigma of mental health problems throughout the United States. Um, I think stigma is still a big issue with clinicians. A lot of them feel we're the caregivers. We have to help everybody else. We can't have these problems of depression and burnout and suicidal ideation. So we have got to make it easier. We've got to make it seem like the norm that mental health issues can be healed just like physical health issues are healed. But you've got to get help and you shouldn't be ashamed. Here at Ohio State, we have been rolling out a seven session evidence based cognitive behavioral skills building program for all of our health sciences students and our clinicians, because we know cognitive behavior therapy is the best evidence-based treatment for depression, anxiety, and stress. And what I want to emphasize is we can't wait till people are in crisis. We have to give them the necessary CBT and coping skills that they need to cope with life stressors when we're onboarding them into positions, into healthcare systems. We would not send a construction worker into a work site without a hard hat. We should not be sending clinicians into the complex healthcare systems that exist this day without also equipping them with the skills that they need to cope in today's climate.
0: And so do you think students that are coming out into the workforce or um, newer clinicians who are out there have maybe a different mindset around this than older clinicians who have been working for longer because they're coming out into the workforce in the middle of this crisis and they're getting some of these skill sets earlier on.
1: I think one, it's affecting all aged clinicians. I will tell you, we have turnover rates in the nursing profession of 30 to 65 percent in some healthcare systems within the first two years of employment. So, what we need to think about is when graduates come out. They're so excited, right? This is their dream. This is the what they always envision doing with their careers. But if they come into a culture of that's the way we've always done it here, if they meet up with clinicians who are dissatisfied and burnt out, we call this the emotional contagion hypothesis. That's going to that's gonna bleed over to those new clinicians. So we've got to target the seasoned clinicians, but as well as I mentioned, we've got to equip the new people coming out proactively with the skills that they really need to cope with the complexity of today's healthcare system. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Laura. I really appreciate you covering this issue. I think it's so critical.
0: To learn more about burnout, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, you can email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.